Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your hosts, Tim Ficararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uphill Conversations. Uh, I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Megan. And we're glad you could join us as you are living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So remember I told you, Megan, that I had (laughs) had something I was going to, I was saving. Yes. I was saving to tell you about. Yeah. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Okay. So a couple times we've been working around each other and some things like, you know, we're, you know, we have, we have like three locations. Well, I mean, if it's not Barnes and Noble too, and working at one of our clients' offices. I mean, right. we're working all over the place. But yeah. in sometimes that we've been like in close proximity. So I would catch a whiff of something. <laughs> and I was like, do my feet stink? <laughs> do my feet, are they horrible? Like I was like literally. So a couple of times I would even go to like a restroom wherever mm-hmm. we were and I would take my shoe off and I would smell my shoe. And I'm like, what is that smell? <laughs> What smells so bad? I know. Listen, so those of you listening, Megan has no idea where I'm going with this, but I have to tell this story. So here's what I realized. So I thought something climbed in my bag and died in my backpack. Because, you know, I got that backpack Mm -hmm. from way back on a trip. You know, I was like, oh, look at this thing. You can open it up and you can put all your stuff in it. And it's TSA compliant and Mm -hmm. all that. So I was all excited about that, right? Something's dead in my bag. I have taken things out of my bag so many times over. I forgot one pocket. So I unzip this pocket and I look in there and let me tell you what was inside of that. Inside this pocket, because you know I love protein, two hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they broke. They got crushed and they were stuffed down underneath this part in this front pocket. That's why when I opened it, there was nothing in there. Because they got shoved all the way underneath this thing. Like, so one day after soccer practice, Eden gets in the car and my backpack. Yeah. So my backpack was in the car. Eden goes, Papa, your car smells horrible. And my car never stinks. I may have junk on the floor sometimes, whatever, but it, I can't handle stench. And I was like, what is that smell? It smelled like death. It was too crushed, hard boiled eggs in a Ziploc baggie. And, you know, we've had this kind of unseasonably warm temperature. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it was in my car baking even the more. So when I pulled the baggie out, I couldn't believe the colors that I saw inside this bag. <laughs> Did you take a picture? No, I did not. Oh man. The stench was so horrible <laughs> that my dog was near me when I took it out, my lab. Yeah. They'll smell anything. Yeah. He would not even face it. <laughs> he turned and went the other way. So this is what I've been holding on to. So if I ever offended you with a smell that you might have thought was like maybe my feet, it was not my feet. It was in my bag. Oh, my gosh. That's so gross. It's like. Did you catch a whiff ever? I just need to know. know. Was there anything where you were like. I don't think so. Did he use deodorant or something? Like for his. (laughs) I don't think so. I just. That just makes me think of those times where, like, you know, when you have kids, and my kids, they still drink milk, but especially when they're little, and they, like, 
lose a milk cup somewhere. And it's like the first time you discover it, you haven't learned a lesson yet. You know, rookie mistake. You open it. And then, oh, that's like the and it's most, all curdled and lumpy oh, a little gosh. bit. It and is the most of... disgusting. Like you can't. And the thing is, if if you've got a milk cup that's been left out for like <laughs> oh, a God. week in your car in South Carolina, like rookie mistake. Now you just throw that away. You do not you, open it. You don't try to clean it. You, you throw it in the did garbage. You try to, did you try to wash I think the like first that? time, yeah. I think the first time I was like, oh, oh I, I wonder what this. happened with this cup. No, I just opened cannot. it. Oh. No, you cannot. No. You'll always smell it. It's, it's like it's it gets horrific. ingrained into your – it's like there. Because even if it gets in a dishwasher and you take it out, you'll still – have you ever noticed that? You still – I think that <laughs> subliminally or whatever in your subconscious, you still hold the scent of whatever it smelled like. Yeah, it's terrible. Like I now am opening the front pocket of my bag, yeah. which later I'll let you smell. <laughs> that I open it and I stick my nose in there just to see if I could still smell it. It was so bad. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. So that's what I've been holding on to yeah. because I was really embarrassed. And like I started thinking that you were just being nice to me <laughs> when we've been like sitting at a Barnes and Noble table or, yeah. and I'm like, can she smell that? I don't, I don't think I've noticed it. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. So now I just made a public reveal <laughs> over something. But uh, so here's the thing. If you're going to boil eggs, eat the eggs and don't, cause I love eating them. I wrap them with cheese yeah. or something. But I just left them in there and somehow forgot, and they got crushed and stuffed underneath yeah, the part of the board. Yeah. It was really bad. So, hey, this episode. <laughs> so, uh, we are interviewing uh, a really cool guest on this episode. His name is Bud Torkum. He is the CEO and founder of Mazama Media, which is a digital marketing agency um, out in Bend, Oregon. The really cool thing about him is that he connected with Tim on LinkedIn, and we just had a great conversation a few weeks ago and decided to ask him on the show. Yeah, and what was so cool about it was, in most cases, a lot of the things I've been through on social media, you know, you in which we do discuss this a little bit, it's like, you know, you connect with someone, especially on like a LinkedIn, a professional profile, and then as soon as you do that, people like just blast you with stuff, copy paste, yeah. right. right? They're either trying to sell you something or hire you. Yeah, and you're like, I just wanted to connect, like, mm -hmm. hi. Right, I thought you might be interested in just talking to me. <laughs> yeah, and so he did that and said, hey, I like your podcast, and I like what you guys do. I'm a fan, mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, so I replied back, and I was like, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. That was so kind. I'm glad we can connect. And I'm like, I would like to talk to you. And immediately right back, he was, you know, this is a guy running a business with, what, 25, 30 employees? Mm -hmm. Or some, I think somewhere around 20 or 25, yeah, yeah. somewhere around there. And, you know, in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And the gap got closed just like that. Yeah. Just authentic connection. He was like, here's my number. I gave him my number. And then you and I discussed a time to connect. Mm -hmm. And we talked to him. And we talked to him for like an hour on the phone. Yeah. And... The thing that I want to say about this is, and Megan, you and I have had these conversations. We've been in situations where we've sat across from people at the same table who we're supposed to be like in relationship with, mm -hmm. working with, doing things together, and then see them a week later at some kind of event. They don't even talk to you. Right. Yeah. And so we really got excited over something, which mm -hmm. we are in the next few weeks working with him we want to really bring up, if, if social media is going to be there, how do we make it authentic? Mm -hmm. How can we turn it into something that's real and authentic? And so we're going to work on that. And um, But what touched me was he he immediately closed the gap. So even though he's, what, a, a five and a half hour, six mm -hmm. hour plane ride 
from us here on the East Coast and there on the West Coast, I really felt like, gosh, I connected with this guy in this brief amount of time with what you and I do in a podcast. He reaches out to us quicker than I can with going into the market. It was almost like I went Mm -hmm. into the market and met with somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. which was cool. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just I'm excited about that. That just touched me. Mm -hmm. And for for us, for this uh, episode especially, it was neat to have a conversation with someone who isn't necessarily uh, extremely well known that he doesn't have a book. Uh, He's just an entrepreneur that is really putting his stamp and his mark on the world. And he's 30 years old. So just really impressed with him. And uh, we just know you're going to enjoy the conversation. So remember, please jump on over to iTunes or Stitcher and rate and review the show. You can always connect with us on Twitter at Uphill Convo or find us on Facebook, Uphill Conversations. And you can always reach out to us on our website, UphillConversations.co. And as Tim alluded to earlier, we have some really awesome stuff coming up. We are actually going to be launching our first workshop we're going to be doing here locally in Greenville, South Carolina, and you'll be seeing stuff coming out about that really soon. So be sure to look for that as well on all all of our social channels. So without any further delay, let's jump into this awesome conversation with Bud Torkum. Welcome, Bud, to Uphill Conversations, and uh, we're so glad that you can join us today. Um, how's everything in your great big world? It's great. Um, it's like 60 here. We're in uh, Bend, Oregon, and um, still mountain biking, and, uh, and all the procrastinators bought their pass before the price goes up 20% <laughs> yesterday, so I was one of them. Uh, I'm getting ready for the ski season to come. I'm actually counting down the days so it starts snowing. Now, what kind of bike do you ride? What kind of mountain bike? I've got a Santa Cruz high tower. Um, I actually just yesterday took that thing going incredibly fast, dead on into a tree, and oh, my no. tie front tire dead on. And I thought for sure, like I mean, I obviously fell on everything. I thought for sure that the my rim was going to be bent, and it was. Uh, it was completely fine. And I had another 10 miles ago. I was just like laying on the ground. I'm like, I'm going to have to hike this bike out of here. This is going to suck. And uh, props to you, Santa Cruz. Didn't know I'd be plugging you, but heck, you make a good bike. Well, that's, you know, what's kind of cool is the only thing that got bruised was your uh, maybe just the ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're not no, supposed to wreck, right? You never wreck on a bike. It never happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's some of, that's some of the fun, some of the best part. Um, hey, but that's actually I uh, one thing that we talked about the last time that we had a great chat with you when we first met was you have a policy at your company when you get um, a certain amount of snow. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? Because I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, we have a powder policy here. Um, so one of our core values is. Um, we never forget to have fun, and this fits in with that. So if it snows more than four inches here, um, our office is about 15, 20 minutes from Mount Bachelor, which is a world-renowned ski resort. And um, if it snows more than four inches, then take the morning off, get the first chair, and just get in the office around noon, one-ish. And, um, you know, we've got like a little over 20 people working here, and um, not everybody is skiers, so it's not like the office is a dead zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people that do take advantage of it, myself included, 
we'll just be uh, kicking it from, you know, 1230 till 7 or 730 until we have our job done. And while we're doing it, we're like, you know, this is way better than watching Netflix. We got to <laughs> we got to ride powder this morning instead of watching Netflix at night. I'd make this trade off any day. <laughs> well, we're we're just really glad that um you know, you have so willingly offered up, you, you know, as a co-op space, Uphill Strategies West Coast. And so that as we're, we're, we're um, you know, we're just glad to have our West Coast office. So we just really appreciate you uh, making room for that as um, that's my wishful thinking. But uh, yeah, no, you guys can take out our West Wing for sure. So, um, you know, so just jumping into that, um um, well, well, I'll tell you what, before we jump into that part of it, because I want to come back to that. So let's, this is really cool the way we connected. And, um, you know, I was really, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, my, my thing is people. And I love, I just think everything, I think the world of people and I think the world of developing good relationships. And um, I really was, you know, when you, when you reached out and said, Hey, listen to the, I mean, what I liked was you not only spoke to me through a social media channel through LinkedIn, you, you were like, Hey Tim, you connected. And then you said, Hey, and I enjoy the podcast. Right. And, right. and so in that exchange, I felt like it's kind of like email, how it's just been overlooked the value of it. Right. Where, you know, email just turned into now people just forward forwards of forwards that were forwarded from someone else's forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they don't really speak to you clearly. So it's just another way to just consume our time. But I just part of a spamming campaign. Yeah. 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 And you but you turned it into something real. And then literally you with you and I within what I, I was maybe I don't know. I don't think it was a day, was it? Was it wasn't twenty four hours, but less than twenty four hours, we already scheduled a phone call. We were yeah. Let's talk. I would say I would probably say it was less than a day. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but probably. Yeah, and so it was through there, and it just it. To be honest with you, it was a refresher for me that you know these tools that we have and the things that are available to us. How sometimes we overlook the value of. You know, I think what the original intent may have been for, you know, the value of like a LinkedIn or any kind of social channel to really just be able to connect with people that are far from you. Like, you know, like th th it was so quick and so close. It was like I could have run into you into a, you know, in a market, you know, mm -hmm. and that it, that's what it was like. And and so, number one, I appreciate that. And then the conversation that we had um, you know, through doing that and connecting, I, I would love for you knowing that that's a world that you live in. And, you know, we, we do want you to share, you know, about your world as well, as far as, you know, with Mazama media and, but just knowing that rather than just trying to push your stuff, like connecting with people and not overlooking the value of real contact, even though, we're, I mean, we're a six hour plane flight away from each other, you know? Gosh, that far? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, six. Yeah, for us to go there when we have to move all of our stuff there for the West Wing, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, it's six hours, man. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, what? So I'm 30. Um, I grew up with this technology, um, getting this business uh, going from, the house to the big office we're now with the beautiful team we have now was like an organic thing, but 
it, it all happened, mostly millennials. Uh, we have a couple of people that aren't millennials or a bit older uh, who work here and they're, they're very, uh, they're awesome. Um, but we've been, um, since we grew up with it, it's so second nature. So, uh, and, and the same with you, Tim. I mean, you can't be too much older than 30, I wouldn't think. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You're, you look young in your picture. But if I were to bump into you in the market, I'd say he's, he's probably 32. Um, <laughs> you and I but, are really good friends, Yeah, you man. guys can be like, real good we're friends We're good now. friends now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Then, um, then you're 32. Okay. So, um, <laughs> like, when you say, like, you know, we could have bumped into a market and stuff like that, well, for all intents and purposes, I mean, that those days are actually coming to an end. Um, I mean, I, I have a... Uh, I have a delivery service that brings food to my house so I don't have to take the time to go to the market. Um, Amazon has made it so that even when I think I need something immediately um, and I need to go to Best Buy, as soon as I make the trip out there and I'm in line and the people are asking me about my day and if my address is correct and if I want the warranty upgrade, and I immediately am like, oh, I regret this decision. Mm -hmm. This isn't needed. So we're in now this world of just instant communication and instant gratification. Um, but a lot of people take advantage of it and they just try to turn it into profits and it's all about just like okay how can we make my business bigger and bigger so what i see on linkedin all the time i have a bunch of connections and it's not how you and i connected tim it's more of uh somebody will send me connection requests and i typically accept and they'll say um hey bud and it'd be copy and pasted of three or four paragraphs about why i should buy insurance from them and um, I could just totally, I don't even read, I don't even get past the first sentence. I'm like, yep, this is just spam. And so a lot of them use it as, a, as the same as an email platform. Well, how I've been trying to use it as a way of being able to reach out and show gratitude for stuff that I've been appreciating with different authors, podcast hosts, stuff like that. And what I, my greater purpose, my BHAG is, uh, is two things. One is, um, having a anxiety-free workplace, which is not something that we have right now. And it's one of those things that I don't know is ever fully obtainable. That's why it's a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, we get closer to it. We have meditation areas here. Um, when we have a client cancel, because we're not perfect, it happens. Try to make it so it's just a car passing by. Not freak out. Don't have the cortisol flow through your veins. We're not the business isn't going to go under. There will be dinner on the table. It's going to be okay. Let's just learn from it. What, where was the mistakes that we made to make that client want to cancel so we don't make that same mistake in the future? And I still, I mean, I have to admit, I still get a little bit of cortisol that drips when it comes through, but it used to be way more <laughs> than trying to train that to my team. And that actually has helped with um, my own like thinking and also other people's reten retention of like clients and making sure that they're not um, – uh, as upset about it, because as a leader, what you portray, that is going to your your team's going to pick up on that, and they're going to feed off of that. So if they could tell that I'm getting anxious and all stressed out about it, which sometimes happen, they're going to as well, and that's the worst thing I think can happen. So if I can reach out with people and get other people to think this way, and if I could, if Tim, if after our conversation, if one entrepreneur listens to this and says, yeah, you know what? I need to stop threatening that I'm going to fire everybody all the time if they don't do their job because where is that really getting anybody? Uh, 
What is that really doing to their self-esteem? Is that really making them more productive? No, that's just scaring the crap out of them. And it's actually, if you're a believer in like Simon Sinek and his reads, which I Mm -hmm. very much love the guy, like Leaders Eat Last was a great book where he's just like cortisol is a chemical in our brains that is designed to drip when you see a saber-toothed tiger. Right. It's a flight or flight mechanism. Right. In corporate America, it's an every day as you sit there, is my boss going to yell at me? Am I doing enough? I, what's going on? Uh, am I hitting my right reports? Am I doing all this stuff? And um, So if we could find a way to achieve of getting rid of that, I think that we'd just be so much more productive and so much happier. And I, I know that in my experience and with working with leaders and um, being a leader myself, there is this, there's, there's different levels of leadership. And I think too many people, they will go with positional leadership, which is I am a manager, I'm your boss, and therefore you need to do what I say. And they fall into that trap of using maybe a fear tactic or, uh, or pushing someone to do something just because they should, or what they should really be doing is inspiring someone and serving them so that they can be doing a better job. And I love how you talk about what you need to do and how that affects the people that work for you, because you can only reproduce what you are. And leading by example is something that so many people know that it's an important thing to do, but it's really easy as a leader uh, to fall into the trap of of not listening to that advice and skipping over it. Um, but before we go any further on, on that, you, you talked about this whole idea of um, automation. And I think being in a very digital world, uh, there are so many things that you can get, that instant gratification. You have all these options for reduced interaction with other people to make our lives easier. Um, I was actually at dinner um, last week in Raleigh-Durham, and the woman that I was with needed a charger for her phone because it was dying. And she got one from Amazon and it was the instant delivery. So she literally had it in 15 minutes after she asked for it. They delivered it to the restaurant. And and I mean, so that stuff is crazy. And you think, wow, this is that's incredible how easy and convenient that is. But even in what you do, how would you advise people to make sure that you don't go too far because what happens if we lose that ability to really be in relationship? Well, um, first on your point of leadership, um, I I completely agree. We actually have here at Mazama a ton of leaders who are not in positions of authority. And that's because simply they look out for the person on their left and on their right. And when you do that, people always like, Make sure they do for you what you have already done for them. And that, that, that to me is a simple definition of leadership is looking out for people on your left and your right um, in order to be a leader. And we have a lot of those here. Um, to go into relationships um, and automation and what to look out for. Um, I So I used to – I've studied this subject a lot. Um, I'm currently reading a book. I forget the author. I freaking read a lot of it last night. But the title of the book is um, Humans Shall Not Apply. And it's talking about machines and, uh, you know, taking jobs and stuff like that. I used to be under a position of this 
as what, how can we fight this, right? And there was also a group of people during the Industrial Revolution um, that fought it and they went around and broke um, uh, weavers and stuff like that, thinking that that would stop the Industrial Revolution, but everybody, there was no stopping it. And it turned out that there was jobs after it and everything was fine. But uh, I don't believe that that's the case this time around because it's happening on such a larger order of magnitude. Um, so to be saying, you know, how do we avoid this? Um, I'm, I, I now look at it as more of how do we embrace it? Cause I don't, it, 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 it's so efficient and it just makes little to no sense not to do it in almost every single industry that I don't believe it is possible to just say we need to put a stop on this so we have like these human connections and this touch. This kind of stuff we can do, but we're still talking, you know, uh, across the country over Skype. We're not in person. Um, I hate phones for that reason, too, because it makes I mean, I people say that you can multitask. I don't believe there's such thing as multitasking at all. I believe your brain is capable of only one thing. You don't have a split screen brain. So when people are texting and you're having a conversation with them, you know they're not paying attention to you because the brain cannot comprehend what they're what you're saying to them and what they're texting at the same time. Mm-hmm. They could take a pause from what they're texting to listen to what you're saying, but the both are not happening at the same time. The same goes with driving, texting. I'm really glad that there's laws that are going to stop that. Um, but the generation, my generation, it sickens me on how much we're on. It sickens me how much I'm on my phone because I can I can control my entire business from this computer mm-hmm. that's in my hand. But that is nothing compared to the generation behind me, which is Generation Y. They are on it to a point that their entire day revolves around it. Mm-hmm. And they'll even say that they're not on Facebook. And that's funny because they are. I have statistics to prove it. I mean, we're, we're one of the biggest platforms we're on is Facebook. And I know they're on Facebook. I can see that they're on it. It's just that they're not on it as often as they're on Instagram and Snapchat. And so if they're on Instagram or if they're on Snapchat 50 times a day and they're only on Facebook two or three times, then they'll say, no, I'm never on Facebook. Actually, you're on it two to three times a day. But relative to you being on Snapchat, yeah, I guess you're really not. And they use it, then they don't use it the same way to use Snapchat. Snapchat is used in a way of like, um, this is how we, uh, I connect with my friends and how Generation Y actually goes. This is the progress in their typical social si- system within high school. This is Gen Y, by the way, is uh, high schoolers and uh, people in college right now, um, younger college uh, students. Is you're on Snapchat and that's how you start off a relationship. And if the relationship continues to build in this country, then they get extended an invite to go to text. And that's a big deal. Like, oh, wow, I, could, I can text you now? I just got your actual number? Wow. So that, that's how the relationships progress. And then Facebook is actually their LinkedIn. So how we use LinkedIn to connect him, how we look to try to empower business owners um, and how um, – and how we're trying to basically get people to think of like non-anxiety ways and good leadership and things of that nature and, and progressing business forward and all that stuff. They use Facebook as a professional network, but they're in school still. So they're using it for Facebook groups, which Facebook, by the way, put 4,000 engineers behind uh, about three months ago, uh, which is a lot of engineers to so make groups better and better. And they're going to be putting a lot of different um 
uh, options within groups. And that's what Generation Y is using um, Facebook boards. They're sort of LinkedIn for homework and they connect for homework and projects and stuff like that uh, in school. So then when they enter the working world, they'll go on to LinkedIn. Will they stay with Facebook? I'm not sure. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But um, I guess my point is, is that I, unfortunately, I, I, I don't think it's realistic to think that we can bring back the connections of um, people having like old fashioned conversations and people going in the bars and even talking to each other. I mean, gosh, look at when you go into a bar. I, I, I found my wife on I-5. We were driving 70 miles an hour. I leaned out the window and I started screaming at her seven years ago. I'm like, hey, hey, she actually rolled out eventually. I was persistent enough and wrote my number on a napkin. And she wrote it down and I convinced her to go on a date with me and we got married. Um, but um, that now it's how do how do people in my generation, the generation below me meet? They, they do it on Tinder. They do it on Bumble. There, there's no need to go into a um, bar and have to work up the courage to talk to a girl. All you got to do now is just swipe right. You're a stud. That's it. Right. And so you're losing your ability to connect. I, I, it, it's depressing, but I don't. It, we continue to progress that way. Like the instant gratification that you were talking about with that. That cell phone cord coming to the cable is the same thing with instant gratification with dating, but it takes away that that salesmanship that you need to get the girl, which is going to affect you for the rest of your life unless this continues to happen this way, which it looks like it will. But for the short term, then you're going to need to go in and have an interview. And if you didn't work on how to get a date, then how do you think you're going to do trying to get a job? or sell your concepts to another business so they would buy. A lot of that is actually worked on in the dating sequence when you're younger and that's being that that's being thrown out the window right now. So unfortunately, I, I don't mean to be depressing here, but I, I don't I don't think that we are in a position to turn back. Yeah, well, you know, and, and I agree with you, but and I think that's where we can maybe maybe bring to the forefront and put a spotlight back on just the way we connected. Obviously it wasn't through Tinder. (laughs) So, and I wasn't driving down a road, but you know, but we, we connected. Right. And I think it goes back to something I like to say is that original intent is knowing why I think a lot of times the tenders and the bumble and all these others become so easy is because we're able to defend and hide insecurities, um, not have to be really authentic, to portray a life that's actually not really who you are. You know, it's like I tell people adversity, you know, can be your friend because what it'll do is it'll help you reveal who you truly are and not who you say you are, right? Um, right. it's like people that will be like, oh yeah, we've been dating and we haven't argued. My first thing is you guys should go have a fight like now, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like go have a real fight, like, you know, argue, you know, like find out what this is about. But, but even in our exchange, but one of the things that I really appreciated was, I mean, we just, we, we cut through all this stuff 
and we got into real value and we got into how we could support. So though we cannot change the progression of how technology is affecting the lives of people and human connection, I do believe that we can, as people that utilize the platforms or even for yourself, like you have a, a whole business that is, you know, in a digital space, like you're literally living in that world. Um, I feel like what we can do, though, is is put the light or the attention back on, you know, saying that, you know, the tools are great, but authenticity is better. You know, you you we can virtually, even though it's not the same, it's not the same as human touch and real like if, you know, if Megan and I were able to have this, you know, the great privilege of sitting in a room with you to do this in front of your face, that would be much better. We could see you right now. We use our imagination, but I feel like our imagination is being or the way we're using our imagination or even yourself that the way you're doing it to imagine us and what we're looking like and how we're sitting there and how we're even our posture everything it's driven from a place of authenticity so getting people back to saying even though it's advancing can we still not be genuine what are your thoughts about that um i I think you're. I think you're right, Tim and Megan. I, I you guys are both right. I I mean I don't like how pessimistic I can be sometimes on the subject. Well, I don't um, want you to feel that it's not that, pessimism. I don't want. No, it's, I, I'm I think just it's saying, realism. Yeah, it's real. You're yeah. being real. No, I really appreciate it. You're re- you're right. It's just I'm just throwing that out there, like you know, just because I feel like you value that, and that's the only reason I'm bringing it up because I would like your point of view of in the absence of that, knowing how easy it is to swipe right or any other thing, you know, how can we get and put a light back on just being authentic again? Um. That's a really good question. Harvard did a study on people who use Facebook compared to those who didn't. I think, uh, I forget how many thousands of people, but it was a substantial amount of people. Um, let's, let's call it 10,000. Um, half of the people, they followed them around for, I think it was three years. And the half of them weren't Facebook users and the other half were. And they found that the ones that were using Facebook um, to connect with people and to be social, because that's the point of it, that's the point of social media, um, were actually more depressed uh, than the ones that weren't. So you can be authentic through social media, but who is? Mm-hmm. Like who goes onto their Facebook or their Snapchat or Instagram and says, just got in a big fight with my wife? <laughs> yeah. Not many people. No. They show the awesome vacation they're on. They Mm -hmm. show that they got a new car. They don't show that they got fired. Um, So when it comes to being authentic, uh, that's something that we're going – maybe we can start that revolution right now, Tim. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe we can start being like, hey – be authentic on social media. It's not going to be bad. People can actually end up helping you because that's when you need help the most. When yeah, yeah. There's problems happening. Like if you get fired, what's what's going to be the worst thing that happens if you post that? You get fired again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you already you have it. no job actually, already. If posting, yeah. <laughs> if you lost your job, people are going to come and help you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm just thinking about this right now, but that's what's going to happen. You'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry, bud. Um, Actually, there's an opening at my job. Like, hey, thanks a lot. 
instead of keeping it to myself, you can actually end up getting a lot of help from these people if you're authentic. So do you feel like we can conclude or even come to the conclusion that, that there is an access to maybe greater opportunity if you realize the authenticity is just being real and not just putting out an image or an impression that if you really, so if you truly in your heart, you're not just the person that says, you know what? I just want to swap, swipe, right. I don't want to be real. I want to be fake. I feel I, I still have too much belief in the human beings to think that that's what everybody wants. I don't think they want that, but could it be that your conduit to, you know, um, uh, to things turning around or improving in your life would be what if you did say what you just said? Mm-hmm. I got fired, and yeah. and and didn't blame the boss and didn't blame everybody around it, but just said I lost my job. This is tough. I'm in a yeah. rough spot in my life. Hey guys, you know anybody out there? You know want to chat about it or whatever. And then just being open and raw, like that's that part of the original intent that I wonder that I love technology. I've embraced it ever since I was a little kid. I used to get in trouble because I would rip stereos apart. I would try to say, well, why can't you connect that to that? I'd pull apart everything, dude. I mean, I ruined great equipment. But because of that, though, I put all, I can, I have a 2,000 square foot studio. I wired it all myself with some of my buddies and we put it all together and it's beautiful. But I learned that way, and then I had to admit that, yeah, I tore that apart. Yeah, that $600 Harman Kardon uh, receiver, yeah, I broke that. <laughs> you know what it's like? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just getting to the point of being real with that, and I love the value of what you're saying. You know, Could that be a conduit? And like you said, could we start a revolution like that? So those that are listening even, could we get them back to what would happen if, what if we made a challenge like the ice bucket challenge, which I think <laughs> is great. What if we made a challenge of do 30 days of real and challenge other people to do the same thing, mm-hmm. not live your life on Facebook. Don't, don't, you know, don't tell on everybody else. Right. Just talk about how the things that you could say, I could use some help. Mm-hmm. What do you think yeah. about that? I, I think that'd be awesome. You know, 30 day be real challenge. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be like, posting every day because I, I, I don't think we want to push that. <laughs> but when, when, uh, when, when you just have something that didn't go right, like, um, uh, that's, like I went full speed into a freaking tree yesterday. I need help on my turns. <laughs> well, like, I, I'm not that good. I need, like, I, I should have been able to turn. I should know when to break better. So if anybody out there is good at mountain biking, <laughs> uh, I need help on that. Also, I mean, our company, like, we just went through a big change. Like we implemented a new system called the big three where we have, um, you know, people being accountable for numbers that, uh, that they need to hit for their job. And when we picked up this tactic from Infusionsoft where we did this elite forum with them in person on Phoenix, they uh, warned us that we were going to get like some turnover from this. And my partner and I, Sarah, just said, yeah, okay, but here's me being real. We got it. We, we just went through a big hit on turnover, and it's been hard. Um, and to keep yeah, everything positive. But we are positive now. But, I mean, um, I'm always open to suggestions when it comes to like when doing change, what is the best way to make sure that it's as frictionless as possible. I have a few methods, but uh, – they don't always they don't always work. In this case, it didn't. Like exactly what they said would happen, happened, and we're we're on the rebound. But um, 
it's going to happen again because we're in an industry that changes every day. So we have to change with it. So when we do need to change our business practice a bit, what is the best way to make sure that people go along and are happy to do it as well? And but in your industry, obviously, there's there's a ton of change. Uh, technology, the digital world, it is it's constantly, constantly changing. There's always something new. Um, there's always a, a new option or a new way that you can utilize something or a new feature. But when you're thinking about change, and obviously those things are all systems, processes, and what you work in, how how do you work on yourself? What do you do to invest in yourself? Because just like the world that we live in, you as a person, you're always growing and changing. Yeah, uh, Megan, I, I read a lot. Um, I, uh, I read. <laughs> I, I, I love business books. I read like one to three of them a month um and i find uh little nuggets within the book and work on implementing them in myself and the company um and then we uh one of our core values is um, knowledge and that we're always learning and so um we have a library in the office that's not too huge but it's it's a good size of business books and um there's a page that uh, has like it's completely full of people checking stuff in and out so um i guess the only thing i do know is that i don't know anything and as i continue to read i continue to learn i'm like wow i never thought of it like that wow i never thought like that so um that's how i like to work on myself is instead of um taking my spare time and watching a bunch of netflix don't get me wrong i mean i love stranger things and i, I have my shows but <laughs> What about cat uh, videos? What, what about what? Cat videos. Oh, no, I don't. I don't know if I just watch it. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I'll do um, as much reading as I can. And then um, I uh, try to give back as much as I can. Um, and I can always do better at that. But I'm looking... Uh, like, for example, um, in Bend here in our small town, um, this town has been so good to our company. Um, I, I can't, I, I can't name all the amazing things that have happened from other entrepreneurs to our business to get us to where we are today. Just four years, literally four years ago, um, uh, this month is when we started and they go without any investors cause we didn't need any, um, and without any, uh, loans to this large office and this wonderful team, it wouldn't have been possible about the community. And I realize that. So I'm always trying to get back to the community. Um, hence why I'm preparing a long time for this uh, talk on helping it plan for the next 30 days. Um, whenever I see anybody like pulled over on the way up to the mountain, I used to be in a mindset of when I'm driving up to the mountain to go skiing and there's somebody that's swerving and causing a big pile up of traffic, preventing me from getting to my first uh, tracks on the mountain. <laughs> mm -hmm. Boy, I used to be pretty upset at that person. But now I pull over and I help them put on chains and help them push out of the ditch they're in um, because they're locals here. And 
who cares if I'm there just like five minutes later? I feel way better. And while I'm there and while I've been doing that since like last winter, I've done it a few times since my thinking switched to getting more oxytocin in my life and less cortisol and less dopamine in my life. Um, there'd be people that were just like flicking uh, off the people who were, uh, you know, putting chains on and were trying to figure out what was going on. It's like they didn't mean to come out there. And slow everybody down. They say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get in my car today and piss off everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make everybody late to the mountain. That, this is going to be a great day. No, nobody thinks that. Nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. So don't think that that was their intentions. Help, help them. Mm-hmm. And I, so with this town, what I was getting at is like we, whenever I have a business in town, because we're, we're a national, actually international uh, firm now, but if somebody in Bend comes and wants help with digital marketing, I do it at a severe discount just because I'm looking to get back to the community that's given so much to us. Uh, one of the main things that it's given us is our landlord. There's no way we should be able to afford the 7,000 square foot office in the market that we're in right now. Like we were looking for a new office, but we were looking for like 3,000, 4,000 square feet. That's what we'd be able to afford. But we got this one for just as much as one that was 3000 or 4000 And it is incredibly nice. And it is a prime location. Mm-hmm. And we are getting it for 50 cents on the dollar. And I asked the landlord and he came, you know, he, he really took a shining to my wife and I. And he's a very, he's an older gentleman. And um, his name is Charles and he's a retired surgeon. And um and he really, really likes her and really believed in us. And so, uh, you know, we put, I put out an offer. I was like, well, let's do this. You know, just thinking, you know, start low, like really low. And I thought it was almost like insultingly low. But I was <laughs> like, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, the worst thing that happens is he says no. And, you know, and we just negotiate from there. And he, he came over and he looked at our business model. He goes, okay, let's do it. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, your offer. Let's do it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And Sarah's shocked. I'm shocked. My business coach was there with me. He's shocked. And we're all like, all right. And and then we're signing the paperwork. And before I sign it, I just I said, Charles, I'm like, why why are you doing this? You can easily get asking price, if not more, in this town right now, in the market that commercial real estate's in. And he actually looks at Sarah and I. He says, because I'm. It's because I'm 80 and I'm rich and I can't. <laughs> I believe in you guys. And I was like, all right, that's that's amazing that yeah. humans can do that. So that's why I've been trying to, like, how can I pay it forward as well? And so you're obviously going into this business. So you said you're 30 now. You started this business when you were 26. So uh, you're a young professional. And as you've been growing individually, personally, professionally, you've also been growing your company. So as a young professional, as a leader and an entrepreneur, what has been the biggest surprise along the way in both growing, scaling your business, and also in in being a leader and uh, really, even with all the great stuff you're doing with Facebook, what's been the biggest surprise along the way? How difficult and taxing it can be to make sure your whole team is always happy. That's really strong. And I would say it kind of goes back to something you said earlier 
you know, those core values, you know, you talked about, you know, even working with your team and your people and then what you went through with Infusionsoft, you know, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a huge company, you know, they're massive. I mean, they, you know, they're, <laughs> people are using them, you know, for online courses and I mean, pretty much everything auto responding for things and, it, you know, integrated into their sales processes and, you know, then they, they flat out told you, you know, these are your big three and these are core values. And it sounds to me, you know, that even when you're thinking of p your people, that's a core value. And, you know, I know everyone has a, maybe a different viewpoint on the, on core values and why they're important. What, what would you say why for you, bud, and your partner in moving your business and, even everything you maybe just do in life, just with in general and purpose, why leading with your core values is important. Uh, because our core values are real. Um, we didn't just um, say, uh, we didn't just say, you know, integrity sounds like a good word. And that's what companies want when they look to yeah. hire a company. Yeah, Let's everybody says that integrity. too, right? Yeah, everybody yeah. says that too. <laughs> so we, we, yeah, and passion, that's a good word, and fun yeah. and respect. Like We didn't just say, hey, yeah, these are our core values. Let's throw them up there. What we did was we got together, and uh, my leadership team and I, and we said to each other, okay, if you can clone two people here, who would they be? And so we jotted them down, and then we said, okay, what values do they have? Why would we clone these two people for the entire business? And so started jotting down all these different values until we had, I think there was like 20 or 30. And through a process of elimination and combination, we came down to um, these six that um, embody us. And so they weren't just something where we just threw it on a board. It was something that took, it was actually, I think it took us two and a half hours to do this process. And, um, we recite them, uh, in our morning meeting, um, about every other day. Uh, we do a morning meeting every day and, um, we have, um, uh, little acrylic boxes that are in the uh, office that have, um, each of the core values on them and little tickets. And so when you see somebody um, showing one of the core values, you write down on the ticket and say, um, uh, you, um, this one was for integrity. You did the right thing with this client from Bud. Um, and you rip it off and you put one half of it into um, the box for it to be drawn upon. And then the other half you give to them. And that helps push the core values forward. And then uh, once a month, we open up all the boxes, pick one of the people out of them read what the core value was, and that person wins $25 um, as we go through um, uh, the core values. Um, actually, the eight of them, sorry. And so, yeah, so that, that's been how we've been pushing for. We also, when we do reviews, we go off of that. Uh, we use a, something called a people analyzer, um, which was something that I picked up from EOS, um, from Gino Wickman. The book is called Get a Grip, and the other is Traction. Get a Grip is an easier read. Traction is more of the blueprint of how to lay it down. But a people analyzer, it's a really simple simple tool where you have all your core values lined up in the x-axis, um, and uh, you then go through and give a plus or a minus or a plus slash minus 
for each core value and you go over with the team member about how they are showing it or how they're not. And um, if you have like a minus, then 30 days to work on it. And if you turn it around, then great. And if not, then we got to talk about it again. But uh, typically people get it turned around pretty well. But uh, the core values is also implemented in hiring as well. So we'll ask, um, you know, one of ours is we innovate at all levels. So um, one of the questions my team members ask prospective um, people that join our team is, um, what is a way that you've innovated in the past? And other questions that have our core values hidden within the questions. So we hire based off the core values. We do reviews based on the core values. We iterate the core values every other day. And then we reward with um, drawings on the core values every month. And it helps build, um, helps build culture. And so leading with those core values, it's, it's for the purposes of culture, hiring, advancing the business. So like I said, so, you know, a lot of people will say why they use their core values, but in your case, it's pretty much to turn it into, um, it is the prerequisite for all things that you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's very, very good. And I, I, I mean, I applaud that and, you know, being, um, you know, being that mindful, uh, it's unfortunate, um, that most people, it's just basically, I gotta, you know, I, I need to put a warm body in a cold place, you know, that's, yeah. it's just, you know, it's just, oh, and if they don't work out, we have 25 other resumes sitting on our desk, you know what I mean? Yeah. And well, it's, it's, it's so costly. don't realize is that cost though. Yeah, it's costly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's incredibly expensive and it's all hidden costs. It's not spelled out in front of you, but when you break down your training time and the person who is training them, they're typically not cheap, especially if it's you. I mean, what, what do you value on your time? Yeah. And then if you put that together with the materials need to be printed um, and uh, and the interview time that's necessary. And we do like three interviews. So we're talking hours of training time got turned to like 20, 30 hours. We started like putting it all up. I don't have all it memorized, but we write it on a, like on a whiteboard. We're going through it. And I, I just, I was like, holy, holy crap. All right. That, no, we can't be just hiring anyway anymore. We're, at, we're adding extra interview steps. We're hiring off the core values. I don't care how desperate we are to get another person in. We are not quick to hire anymore. So I learned we learned that lesson about two years ago. It's a good lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, but what I would really like to know is over the next 12 months, what are three things that you are optimistic about? And they can relate to business or your personal life. Uh, we would just love to know what those three things might be. Um, very optimistic uh, for the next 12 months for us to um, hit the Inc. 5000 list. Um, I am, uh, we are about to break into the dental industry, um, starting with, uh, our first two dental clients this week. And then we I'm actually going to be on a, um, really well-followed dental podcast where we were telling them how to do like all social media marketing, like didn't hold anything back. Like, Oh, we'll teach you how to do that, but you have to hire us. And we, we just, I laid it all on the line. Like, this is how you need to 
basically create funnels that get yourself patients for implants or, or new patients or whatever the case may be. So um, my team has done really well that before we blown, we made the auto industry a big vertical, medical a big vertical, and we knew that this would work in dental. And now we're primed and we're just now starting to cross that threshold and with a lot of things in place where I think we can really explode and help a lot of dentists enter the digital marketing realm because for the most part, um, about 90% of them have no idea what a Facebook pixel even is mm-hmm. and um, and how that can be the differentiator between uh, them and their competitors. And so we're going to inform them and teach them that. And um, the third thing I'm optimistic about will probably be my mountain biking ability. Looking next year <laughs> to not go into a tree or off and like do jumps way better. Because what I was trying to do it was I was trying to hit this. Jump. Yeah, let's hear. It. See, here's what happened. Yeah, yeah see what, what happened, happened was, was. Like, I was really killing it on all these jumps, and I went off one of them, and I went off with the handlebars, and the handlebars they they turned because you're not supposed to jump with the handlebars. And I learned this hard way, and I couldn't adjust them in time, and so when I landed, the handlebars were, tw- were twisted. Get me right into that tree and just, yeah, that, that was that was rough yesterday. Oh, man. So I'm optimistic that I'll be way better at that next year. Well, thanks so much for sharing that and for spending so much time with us. I know that um, our listeners are really going to enjoy uh, just hearing from you and hearing some new and different perspectives on uh, even the next generation coming up and some of the those interesting things that are going on with um, the whole digital space. So it would be really awesome if you could just tell our listeners how they can connect with you. Sure. Um you guys can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm the only Bud Torcom on LinkedIn. So it's B-U-D-T-O-R-C-O-M uh, is my last name. And my email is bud at mazamamedia.com, M-A-Z-A-M-A media.com. Um, and um, yeah, if you guys heard something where you can help me out or if I can help you out, then I would be more than happy to. I, I, I got my mind. I'm just thinking about you and that my, mountain bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, because there was this time that, man, I was in this stage and I don't know what it was. It was just weird because, you know, when I grew up, I was always, I mean, we were inner city kids, me and my older brother, and we were always into stuff. And so like coming home with, you know, being dirty, cut, bruised, head cut open or something. I mean, that was our lives, you know. And then, man, right. I, I went through this phase where I didn't want to get dirty. And <laughs> and um, only when I was, like, in sports. So I was a big freestyle wrestler. I played football, and I and I did freestyle wrestling in Greco-Roman. And, um, and unless I was working out, I just didn't really want to do anything. So I had so I had this specialized bike, you know, a specialized mm-hmm. the brand. And... This was in 1991, and I was riding it, and I'm and I was in South Carolina, which you know is where I am currently today, and they have this really bad red clay mud. It's just red dirt. Okay, mm-hmm. so anytime you get rain or anything like that, you get a puddle. It's like in that red clay, that dirt, it stains anything. And so I was riding this, I was riding the bike, man. And I was just like, I was feeling sorry for myself. I was upset about some (laughs) things and I was by myself and I was in the, like this little wooded area and I was riding the bike. And of course I was just having the greatest poor me party party ever. And I had like, (laughs) I had a Walkman on me with my headphones and it was, you know, one of the big ones, you know, you, it was just, (laughs) so, so I'm just cruising on this bike, man. And I wrecked, like I was riding on flat land and I wrecked and I found this big puddle. 
So that was the end of you, huh? Well, I, well, what was funny was when I sat in the pedal the puddle, I got mad first, but then I started laughing. And I just started laughing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I can just say, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll catch up with you later on about this, but it, it was a breakthrough for me because I was in a season of my life where I realized that, you know what, I needed that incident. I needed that thing to happen. And it really was like just this thing where it was like, you know what, this is so like this little insignificant thing and just getting dirty and whatever else and whatever I had else going on in my life and getting stained with all this red mud, which made me angry and all this other stuff, it broke loose some of some, just some crap that was going on inside of me. So you never know, man, when you're riding your bike and you're just rocking and hitting jumps and all that, and you hit a tree, <laughs> it, yeah. you know, hope you don't get hurt, but man, what can that do for you tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder like what you're going to realize tomorrow, you know, or the next day or the next day that that little incident did for you. So I'm just well, you realize you're okay. And yeah. that's what happens yeah. in business too. Like that's why failures are good. And when they happen to you and when you realize you live through them, that it's okay, you're going to live on and you're going to learn from that. And you better look for your next failure because you're going to learn from that too. And the only way you're going to have a failure is if you take a risk. So get out there and be authentic on Facebook or Snapchat or whatever and see what happens. There's a risk for you. It's that 30-day authentic challenge we were talking about. Yeah, and if, and if anyone out there will do that, tag us. Tag, yeah, please. Tag, tag Bug, Bud Torkum or Megan Binnern or Tim Pecoraro. Please tag us, and we would love to share that with you. And, man, this has been this has just been great, and, and, Bud, we're looking forward to continue to connect with you. So thank you so much for your time, man. As am I. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember, you can be more, do more, and have more. Your current condition does not match your emerging future. Always remember that anything worth having is uphill, but you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, you will see me, Megan, and Bud on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.